Hey, hey, welcome to Humans of Metagame, a meta radio podcast about, well, the humans of metagame. We'll be interviewing the players and patrons of metagame about who they are, how they got here, why are they here, and why do they even like metagame? Why? Yeah, let's let's just get into it. Attempt number two. <laughs> yeah, the first one was so good that we uh, couldn't release it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just had to record it from the beginning. It was just, it was just too good. Too good. <laughs> How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. I mean, uh, Web3 keeps me up at night. <laughs> you what? I said Web3 keeps me up at night. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for coming on at this uh, a late hour your time, you crazy bird. Yeah, I'm up at this hour every night. The schedule's pretty crazy. Right, yeah, let's... let's uh, should we start from the history, probably? Sure. How did you get here? And, like, what, what drew you in here? Yeah, so the main thing that brought me in was uh, I run a text-based game called Waterdeep, and one day someone, uh, it's Ronan Wigawa, came into the mud forums and was asking for someone to test one of his games. That game was Eternal, and I played Eternal, and I gave him some initial feedback, and he gave me the NFT Bible. I dug into NFTs, and I came back and gave him some questions, and then I looked around the internet and I said, well, what communities can I, can I find? And so I saw like Meta Cartel, a Meta game, and kind of just jumped right into the rabbit hole. And from there, I was working a day job, and like on my way to Starbucks and stuff like that, I, I would basically chat about ethos of Web three and kind of where we are today. And then we had the the first web conference at uh, Intercon. I think that was one of the things that like really kind of solidified me in metagame. But uh, yeah, I came in as a game developer, kind of alpha testing a game, and then just trying to understand everything else. Found the right network. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, that's you were on the outskirts until then, but uh, yeah, Intercon was definitely when you got deep into metagame and uh, testing Eternal. Was it like your entrance to the web3 space or were you there before so i mean i had crypto kitties in 2017 i i watched the coins i read all the white papers back in the day but you know it was a lot of hype and i understood the technicals but there wasn't an application so i wasn't leaving my bioinformatics job for uh, web3 back then because there wasn't really the infrastructure for it but uh, i watched from the sidelines and, you know, I saw Dow and Mountbats and everything, and I'm a very technical person, so I read all the contracts as much as I can today. But back then, it was like anything that was on Hacker News, I read about. Great, great. What, what angle did you, did you originally discover it from? Um, I don't know. So, I mean, I was always telling myself that I should mine back when you could do it on a Pi, like a Raspberry Pi. I wanted to, and I was like, hey, look, we can do this. And then I was like, hey, look, now you can link them together to, to be even better. And, like, I never really got into it then because, I don't know, I, I was too kind of absorbed by, like, the family and, like, the 9 to 5 and games and a whole bunch of other distractions yeah. that uh, they're, they're fun, you know? It's part of life. It's having fun. Yeah, it seems that, like, finally more people are starting to discover crypto through through other other spaces like the gaming side for like the x infinity for example or like liberty who came in like from the art space directly into the nfts without like going through the crypto first yeah i, I jumped really far down pretty much all the holes like even axie infinity like I was on an esports team and made a whole bunch of bots for 
like doing auctions for axes and decoded the axi genome so that Discord bots can tell you the the genes of your axes or bring up your replays. So I mean, even like at Thermal, like as a creator, everywhere I go, I tried to like improve and like learn and like engage. So like, I make bots and things to help communities because we're pretty much a Discord first world. Yeah, yeah, you got exactly the right mindset. Most people that are coming from the Web2 space are coming here, they expect, okay, this is the project and I am the audience or like I am the user. And like not understanding that this space is really about like, being as participatory as possible and like finding ways to contribute. Yeah, I think that was one of the best parts is like I came in here like expecting the alpha test things as a software developer to another software developer. So... I expected things to be broken and to be giving feedback that would improve the experience for actual users. Right. I lost my fucking axis. Gifo uh, <laughs> sent the three axes to me. I think it was him. Uh, sent it to me like uh, more than a year ago. And then during MetaFest, I tried reinstalling the game again and finding my axes, but I have no idea where they are. Oh man, yeah, I mean, you should be able to look at them, and I think you have a little bit of time left to move into Matic before they're locked forever. Oh. Or not to Matic, to Ronin. They launched uh, their own sidechain, so you have to uh, bridge them before they're stuck. Ooh, that, that's happening? The problem is I don't even know, like, what wallet are they on? I think I, that was a new wallet created just for the game, and... I don't think they're aware of one existing that's the main problem. Well, yeah, it's the Axie market and stuff is pretty crazy, so. Mm. <laughs> it's pretty much like a top shot, so. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's, let's not uh, worry about my Axies. Yeah, like, uh, how did you decide to make that jump to, like, get into the space full-time from having a a normal job to like working in the DAO space for multiple projects full time. When COVID happened, I was, I luckily was working at a job that allowed me to work from home for the first part of it. So I worked from home for like the first 15 weeks or so before I got laid off, which allowed me to lead a double life where I was working, but at the same time doing as much Web3 as I can. And like even with the metagame, when I first started attending meetings, they were 30 minutes before my daily stand-up. So I would have, I would have metagame in one ear, and like uh, working, and like have to break and go to like my daily stand-up where we'd report how we were doing for work. And then I was in the sports ticketing industry, so as you can imagine, uh, sports pretty much didn't happen and uh, they had to lay us off so when they laid me off uh, i was kind of faced with the fact like do i go out and like look for a job during covid <laughs> i don't really want to go do that it's pretty much the last thing that i want to do but you know i've got a family and i can't exactly not feed them or pay rent so i don't know i made enough friends and kind of network that uh I decided to transition full-time into Web3, so basically the people that really brought me, gave me the confidence that I could make some money were, you know, Drew from Metafactory, Leo from, from Cream, they're kind of like my first early mentors that kind of showed me that I could work, and, you know, there was a future, and then Metagame had a lot of promise, and, you know, we built a lot of great things. And it's been one of the big kind of network effects that's helped me meet a lot of these different people. So I think that's one of the best parts. And one of the things that really allowed me to step in full time was kind of building the network of support in Web3 and figuring out like how I could participate. The funny thing was like, I'm a developer, so I didn't expect to come in and do what I do. And, uh, you know, if we're watching this in 20 years and you have no idea what I do, I just 
I, I build, build bridges and connect different communities and understand the technologies and try and communicate them between people and, you know, just engage members. So I think finding people that I could connect with are how I stuck and had yeah. the, the direction. Yeah. Yeah. I found it really hard to like explain, like what do we do? Like most of the time, like, hey, what do you do? Oh, uh, many things. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It was like uh, back when I was uh, onboarding Mizant and he was like, oh, but I don't know, like, what could I do? Like, I don't have any, like, skills. I don't know how could I contribute. And I was talking to him, like, okay, but you can make videos. Like, yeah, I can make videos. So that's, okay, uh, maybe that's something I could be doing. Then we were talking, like, yeah, basically main just thinking that, okay, he can make videos, so he will be making videos. And then after he, like, got over his initial like oh i can't do anything yeah like the videos are the like least of what he's doing <laughs> they're like two percent yeah that's like one of the best parts about metagame right is like the game is real life so by us understanding the metagame and getting better we get better and level up our real skills yeah and we we still need to put together all this stuff but yeah really create a place where anybody can like even if they have zero skills find something that they can do or at least something they can learn how to do and then do it because there's definitely a lot of space for like generalists we've got so much work that we need to do and we need people that are willing to do the work and that are competent but you you know half of it is, is showing up and understanding the process rather than yeah well, sometimes when i explain metagame like how we're building this quote-unquote new world and then some people like ask me how oh, so will there be basic income and i'm thinking like yeah at some point maybe like but like basic income is like needed when there's like technological unemployment or like people can't find find jobs but at metagame we have too much work to do so like we don't need to be you know basic income there's shitload of work to do just start contributing and you you'll easily earn money right the other way that i tried to describe uh, metagame originally when i came into the space is like more of more true of like raid guild so i use like raid guild more to describe people is because it's easier to understand it's like a collective of developers and like a metagame is more of like a collective of pretty much the top creators and thinkers and basic DAO creators it's like token engineering are all about creating tokens we're all about creating web3 aligned people and putting them where they need to go right yeah, the onboarding machine. Yeah, <laughs> making it fun. Yeah, we really need these uh, memes to explain metagame. It's, I was really struggling explaining it at the beginning, and that's why I slowly started putting out these uh, narrative pieces like the decentralized factory and the onboarding machine and things like that. Because otherwise, it's just, yeah, it's like a decentralized society it's like a real life uh, mmrpg <laughs> and yeah even even people who are into like mmrpgs they're like okay but how do you like what <laughs> but yeah to most people it's just completely unknown territory yeah, the donut economics book says is like to break the model not only do you have to convince people that you're right you gotta give them a different model that they can picture. So like having images and something that they can relate to is like 80% of the battle. Like even being right doesn't matter if they can't like understand it easily. They'll fall back to their old models. Right. And they found that like one of the most ingrained old models is people coming to a place and expecting to be told what to do, <laughs> what to work on. Like when I was starting Metagame and wanted to make it like 
super decentralized. I had this idea of like, yeah, people coming and come in and then they will read about what it is and then they will come up with their ideas of what they want to do and they will start doing it. <laughs> That's not how it worked out at all. Like, I mean, that there, there are some people who come in and like, find things to do. But yeah, like most people aren't that way at all. Yeah, especially like finding a place where you can take ownership of something, like when you come in. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's a completely different mindset. But even in the DAO space, it's not completely like that. You can just come in and take ownership of things and just do it. Expect to be paid in like in metagame. Like you need to actually pass proposals. And, yeah, write proposals, pass proposals. And talk to a lot more people. That's true. Yeah, you, you, it's definitely much easier here. Even like uh, we don't use like token voting. I like that. Uh, yeah. I was just talking about this with Kazant earlier today about how having a higher rank doesn't mean that we get more. It means that we give more, right? Our reactions are mm -hmm. worth more. But right. It just, it's a reflection of how much credit we've gotten before. It doesn't mean that we get any more. Right, basically, indeed, I think everyone, everyone will get uh, more than us because yeah, we are the ones whose reactions matter more and then all the other people, they react to us and we get so much less. And that's good because that means that the people that have the most invested in it have more control over deciding who is doing valuable work. You know, yeah, yeah. Even though there's no like token voting, we do like uh, have higher weight and like what happens simply because of that. Like our our reactions are worth more. But even voting has been very much like uh, flat. You know, it's more like soft conviction, simple polls. Each person has their own vote rather than you know yeah. any kind of class system. Yeah, really. I highly prefer that. <laughs> like, I remember, like, when I was first getting into DAOs, a lot of people would explain them as, like, oh, DAOs are like democratic organizations. And I was like, no, that's not true at all. They're oligarchies. <laughs> and, like, it might even not be that terrible yet because, like, most DAOs are only just getting started and all the people that are in there are, like, also just getting started. So, like, the votes may be, like, somewhat equal but like uh, the wealth inequality in crypto is actually much worse than in the real world and uh, imagine just some bitcoin maximalists coming in and trolling your projects with uh, <laughs> their high weight votes and shit like that like whales steering the projects away and yeah basically rich people telling uh, poor people what to do like it's <laughs> not what we came here for. Exactly. Yeah, that's. I think that's one of the other like most powerful things that hit me from metagame. I think it was like Peter back in the day. I'm not sure though, but they said about instead of trying to give ten dollars to a person, trying to give one dollar to ten people, and it's more important to make sure that enough people have enough than yeah. some people get rich. And if we consider like the wider metagame, like the wealth inequality, like the value that we can provide to people that are already less economically stable, it's a lot more powerful, you know, instead of yeah. someone like me, like living in California is very expensive, you know, it takes a lot more money for me to survive than it does for someone else. They could probably survive yeah. on my budget for an entire year. In that way, you know, we shouldn't be trying to give everyone penguin level salaries or trying to give me a salary that I need. It's more important that we grow the, the donut for everyone so that everyone has their needs and, you know, I make sure that my needs are met outside of that circle. And I do that and, you know, that's fine. And the circle doesn't right. have to meet right. all the spikes. Right. Yeah. I don't want it getting like, okay, like wealth inequality is bad, like we should get rid of wealth inequality, like it's not that at all. Like if you ask me, I think it's way more important to like uh, equalize the access to opportunities than like trying to equalize wealth. I think that's, that's not a good idea. 
But yeah, just about uh, governance. Like, do we really want to like, create these oligarchies? And honestly, each each yeah. kind of organization is different, you know. So what we're doing here is not going to be reflective of what a business is going to be doing or what uh, other DAOs are going to be doing. So you know, trying to use the same kind of logic or tools to fit all these different people or groups is just a bad idea. So I'm really happy that you know we are following kind of our own. Yeah, yeah, that's true as well. If you have a, like a funding DAO, like an investment DAO, then it like, does make complete sense that it's token voted because it's people who bring their money together, like they decide what to do with money. It's different use cases and different, require different methods. And I think a big problem still is just that like uh, if you make it like one person, one vote, and without like having proper identities and cyber resistance, then people can just split their tokens and create uh, <laughs> infinite votes for themselves. So that's probably still a pretty big issue. Something as crazy as like flash loan voting, right? <laughs> if you leave it open to just like pure trustless network of votes, entirely possible. I think uh, quadratic voting that uh, Gitcoin is developing will be pretty cool. Like it will allow, like it will still stay like uh, token based, but yeah, it does help. But it still boils down to like, was the gaining reason that you had the token voting in the first place? And if you know, if it is pure democratic, I mean, as you say, like the civil resistance for quadratic voting is a lot easier to gain. So there's definitely there's definitely cons to that as well. You know? So I mean it's just yeah. using the right tools and understanding them. And I think that's that's kind of the thing, right? Is we gotta figure out all these tools and Medicaid gets to play with all of them and we have enough people that are connected that we deep dive into most of them just for fun. <laughs> yeah, probably the the main reason this like democratic voting works in metagame is because we've <laughs> limited the number of players. Like if we made it open, then yeah, just make it work. Probably, yeah, people come up with something that's neither this nor that, and that will end up used the most. We are experimenting. We're trying to make it democratic. People are others are making token voting and. Definitely neither are ideal, at least not in the current form. Yeah, but if we didn't have different spaces trying different things, you know, we wouldn't learn as fast. So I think having that shared space is one of the most important parts of it, and one of the big ethos that you know metagame drives to people is like cooperation over competition. Yeah. But we do need uh, competition also between all of these uh, different co uh, concepts and methods, just uh, to see yeah, how how many different versions people develop and like, yeah, which one end up uh, working the best. Competition's just natural based on our space. And in my last Mag NFT article, I wrote about like the crypto year, and I said so my equation is that there are four crypto years in one cycle of the sun and that <laughs> it has to do with the fact that like a normal work day is normally eight hours and then in crypto we pretty much work around the clock so 24 hours a day just by the fact that our teams are worldwide so by the time i'm going to bed at 3:30 in the morning i have pretty much handed off my work and Sometimes we'll have giant work sessions where we get more work done in a day than people get done in a month, you know? I said basically every three months equates to one year. And and that's kind of true, you know? Like every season we have kind of our flares of activity, like DeFi summer, you know? And it's the attention, right? We all have like a limited amount of focus and we can only like deep dive into so much at once. 
and so all the new stuff we all deep dive into it but it has like it's seasons you know and with so much so many different teams working that hard the competition is naturally there and anyone that's yeah. not working 16 hours a day Skinny told me like if you're working eight hours a day work 16 hours a day and you'll see just how far behind you're falling <laughs> and, and like when I was working the day job you're like what the fuck does that mean like cause, cause when you work your job you, you're like okay now I have to go home I gotta take off the, the suit you know right and I gotta take off the face and I can finally unwind and you know it's just you don't have that here like I'm doing exactly what I love everyone that's here is like doing this and because they're creators, you know, it's hard to compete with someone that's having fun. Yeah, really great, great article about like why, why ThreadFi has to lose against DeFi, and yeah, one of the big reasons was exactly that, like you can't beat people who are here doing what they want to be doing. We got a lot into just uh, talking. But this uh, this episode was supposed to be about you. Like what uh, what draws you like to metagame specifically? Like uh, you've been spending even more and more time here lately. But even like originally, what is it that uh, really made you like click here and uh, yeah stick around? It was the people, and originally it was like Yaler. Yaler was really big and. Like, hey man, can you do this? Can you do this? And like, you know, come to this meeting if you want to engage. And that innkeeper role is really kind of critical in engaging people that are on the fringes and not sure how to engage and how to participate. And yeah. even, even like now, I find myself doing the same thing, you know. I want to talk to people that come in and see what they're about because... The more I meet people, the more cool stuff I find out that we're all doing. And, you know, I made, I'd say, some of my best friends in the world right now, you know? <laughs> you know, even better than some of my meat space friends in these rooms. So I'm happy to hang out here and work because I was going to be working anyways. Now I have someone to listen to music to and someone to laugh about. And, I mean, there's so much more that you get by sharing so it's one of the reasons that I, I came here in the first place and I'm here every day nice 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 yeah definitely the past few months have uh, <laughs> metagame discord has been crazy like pretty much at any time of the day there's somebody <laughs> hanging out in one of the voice channels yeah it just goes to show you the love and like is how far the tentacle is spreading. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's great to see. But yeah, I found, find most people say that like they're here. I mean, because of the the great community that we that we build. I think it still holds true that like as I, I, I observed uh, like a few months ago that like most people when they come here they come here to learn and like okay. They want to learn about uh, the crypto space or like what what the fuck is metagame. They want some work to do, but then what actually makes them stick around is the community. And yeah, you, you ask them uh, a few months down the road, and at that point they are not here to learn, but they are here <laughs> because of the community. And that's one of the things we really kind of preach all over is community first. And you don't really see that until, like, you're into these communities and you see exactly what you're saying. That you come for the tech, but you stay for the people. How do you do so much? What's your secret? <laughs> um, definitely an amazing wife that uh, allows me the free time to do what I do. I have a daughter that uh, we homeschool as well. So, mm -hmm. imagine... <laughs> Like, not only am I doing all this, I'm also teaching. And I think you know, having someone that helps manage the house 
and allows me to work, and she also does a lot of work for me. So it's like a big partnership even at home. But then kind of task management, and you know, I've got my sticky system. Luckily I got to close all these stickies today. It was a good day. So the, <laughs> the immediate work order, those are like the tickets that are like on the fire. Those are the plates that are spinning. And then I have a whiteboard as well, which are just like one word tasks that encompass major things I've got to do. But those ones aren't like actively spinning. Some will, I mean, they get moved to the board, but yeah. Do you manage all of them uh, with the stickies and the board, or do you also use some uh, digital tools as well? Um, no, I mean, I pretty much use these. The other thing, I. I manage other boards. I manage the Cream Community work board, and that's on Trello. Raid Guild uses ClickUp for things. Um, there's a lot of HackMDs. Uh, we use Notion. <laughs> I mean, a lot of manufacturer uses Notion. So, I mean, there's a lot of different tools that I use that uh, are kind of outside of my actual focus. I'd say I pretty much live on Discord in my physical world I try and keep up with the other things but they're a lot harder right. I'm thinking about uh, adding a, the board for sticky notes on the wall uh, right to me oh I, I love it man it, it's one of my favorite things and we managed so Pacquion was the digital ticketing company that I worked for and the entire company was ran on sticky notes almost and that's like 150 developers split up into like teams of five. And we all had like different swim lanes. So it's like eight eight different rows, which the rows are just different teams. And then each team just had their tickets as sticky notes. It was really effective. The, uh, the main reason I would want to do it, I'm usually like all for digital tools. But in this case, it would allow me to like, they would just be visible the whole time <laughs> next to me rather than another application that I need to open to remind myself that I like conveniently ignore to open at times. <laughs> yeah, and like the best part about like doing a stand-up with sticky notes is no one's going, to be, oh, oh, let me copy this or let me get this real quick. It's like, no, no, no. Your ticket's already on the board. If not, put your ticket on the board, you know? Right. So you're forced to like, actually talk about the work that was done rather than kind of like or like why it's moving forward or not moving forward. What excites you about the the yeah the next like six months to a year? Not just a meta game, but like crypto or your life in general. Um, so I mean, I'm taking on a lot of responsibility in a lot of different places, and just the next six months, I just I want to. Uh, mm -hmm keep working as hard as I can and make sure that the communities I'm in have the tools that they need and you know that we kind of shake out some of the problems so that some of the formation issues are behind us and kind of gears are running smoothly. I think a lot mm -hmm. of the projects have done the proof of concept and you know we've built out a lot of the infrastructures and foundations and this next six months is going to be refining them and you know cleaning up and doing documentation and making them more user-friendly aside from people like us <laughs> right and do you have anything about uh, metagame specifically that you're looking forward to um metagame specifically uh we've got a lot of things that we're talking about doing i'd really like to uh get the artist badge stuff I think that would be really big for us. The RS badge? Yeah. We're working on like dynamic badges kind of thing. It's an idea, obviously. Alpha leak on the, the radio. Oh, is that related to the skill trees? Skill, so I'm, I'm running a skill tree workshop right now on Taco Dow where we have a fictitious party that we were planning you know, with Taco Baristas and things like that. So I, I, we had some fun with it. You know, Deep Work is helping us with the Skill Forest, and you know, I'm a part of the Skill Forest DAO, 
and working on it with MZ and Jessica and Big Ad Deep Work is kind of setting up some tools and we're evaluating and then I'm going to try and take that to Metagame or Raid Guild and Dow House, all the places that, you know, we've been talking about skills with and apply what we've learned from the Skill Forest Workshop to all these places. But no, the artist card is a little bit different. I thought the Raid Guild was building the, the skill trees application. Yeah, I mean, we're all kind of uh, cooperating, so I think uh, Deep Work is probably the, the furthest ahead and where we'll probably draw a lot of the solutions from. So yeah. we're pretty much in phase two of it. So phase one was the design phase. Phase two is the off-chain version of it with Discord roles and things like that. And phase three is the on-chain version of it. And yeah. uh, I met with Andre and kind of hashed on some ideas and uh, suggested a modification of coordinate for skill trees. So if like every month, instead of just coordinate being able to target a select give to a person, you give to a select skill. That way, you know, just like in LinkedIn, right, where we can recommend each other skills. In this way, we could every month recommend each other's skills that we perform in a role. And mm. the way it would work for um, the different masteries is once you've completed all the skills of like that role, then you're able to complete them and you know submit that as the mastery. But you've got to complete right. all the skills. It doesn't matter if you do them backwards and forwards or random order. You've got to complete all the skills of the mastery before you can turn them in for the master or skill. Your career doesn't have to be doing all of them. You could do one of them every single day and that's your main focus, but to reach a master, you had to have played all those roles at some point in your career. Right. Yeah, and most importantly, it doesn't need to be linear, which I think is the biggest difference like, like the, than in like video games, where it's like, okay, do this, then you do this, then you do this. And the real-life skill trees are not so <laughs> simple. <laughs> but yeah, we should definitely shoot some uh, seeds over there. Probably not this month because we already. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen the the calculation, the new sheet for the seeds, but yeah, we are we are paying back some more debts like to Gitcoin, to Meta Cartel, to Achievement, and also to the the carbon footprint offsetting that we were supposed to do back at MetaFest. <laughs> so there's that backlog coming up. But yeah, yeah, Hamad just sent it to me. Probably next month we should uh, we should add an initiative for the skills. Make sure the players that have requested address changes are considered. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. But yeah, then then we should probably add it for the to the initiatives uh, next month uh, to give some support for the interdao project. You're starting to say like uh, things that uh, you're looking forward to. And you said uh, those badges. And then you were about to say something else. Do you want to expand on the badges first or do you want to continue saying the things? I think that's fine for badges. I think the other huge, huge thing that I'm excited for is uh, DAO's ability to interact with NFTs. It's going to be coming up and I'm working on that with DAO House. So Deacon and Isaac and uh, a small crew of us are hoping to bring Moloch contracts to Rarible. So Rarible mm -hmm. completely open sourced their platform as the, uh, the protocol with the SDK. And so we have uh, one of the first implementations of, uh, I forget which one Isaac said it was, if it's a 1295, but it's a DAO that can sign transactions. Yeah, so it, the transaction verification is the execution of a DAO proposal. So I think that's what twelve ninety five is. I might be wrong on the number, but it starts with a twelve. That's nice. And actually, one of the people that came in f through the Red Guild cohort is working on uh, like a NFT DAOs, and it's like collaborating with DAO House. 
so that might be something to look into and maybe pull into that as well do you, do you already know what i'm talking about it might be the person that i'm on the team with uh do you know who it was yeah <laughs> yeah likely izkkp that's the main developer that i'm working with yeah minty app yeah yeah that's him he's the he's the person that uh, executed and he's amazing and yeah we already have uh executed it so we're able to uh, join a DAO with an NFT's tribute. We're able to mm-hmm. buy NFTs based on the DAO proposal or sell NFTs. Uh, we're working on trading NFTs. So pretty much everything that you could do on Rarible, we're bringing to the DAO. Pretty much any DAO that's on DAO House. So that's one of the huge things is all these tools are connecting. We did Money Legos last year. And this year's gonna be community Legos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we should definitely integrate DAO House into MetaGame. Like that was one of the first ideas that we had, like when, yeah, basically DAO House and MetaGame as they, like, both got, got started at ETH Berlin. That's one of the things that uh, Ven and I were talking about, how, like, MetaGame will need to have, like, okay, go create a DAO and it just opens DAO House. And we still haven't done that. Ven is the other person that's on that team. I was trying to think of the last person. I didn't want to mess up the name. And yeah, Ben is the other person on that team. Makes sense. But yeah, we should definitely bring the house into into MetaGame. Or at least make it so that like you click create a DAO and then it takes you to DAO house. It doesn't have to be directly from our interface. It's time to bring all these projects together as as the plan was. When I was starting MetaGame, I was thinking like, okay, so there are like all of these pieces to building like a decentralized society. All of these pieces already exist. We just need to put them together. But then like as we started working, I was like, okay, <laughs> there's so much missing shit. Like it's not even close to all being here. I mean, and the best but, part is, it's like after us working on it for a year and a half, those pieces do exist. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of them definitely emerged, and yeah, now we can start. As soon as we have the the meta menu and the, the like, the next version of the website, we can start uh, integrating some of these pieces. It's one of the biggest things that I've gotten out of all the communities is just how ready people are to jump in and help out and build. And like when you get a whole bunch of people willing to do that, all of the communities come out with amazing stuff. But if you compare that to like the companies, the companies, it's like there's not even a community, right? They just like drop mm-hmm. down this like major <laughs> website, you know, it's with no soul to it. Yeah. And uh, the communities have become a buzzword, like the companies are like, yeah, our community. But it's like, no, you don't have a community, you have users, you have customers, you don't have a community. <laughs> Yeah, even though like I, I received like a flyer on my windshield a few months back from Ina, which is like a, a gasoline, like an oil extracting and gasoline producing conglomerate. And the flyer said, join our community. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like the community of people who have cars, so they need gas. Is that the community? The people who would rather not pollute the earth but have no other choice? <laughs> God damn. Yeah, luckily in Web3, this is it's not just a buzzword. Like These projects still actually are communities and community-governed. At least uh, until too many wheels come in and <laughs> scoop up all the tokens that are used for voting. Even then, like, we've seen, like, tokens are not a community. We've seen, like, DAO is not a community. You know, the people are the community. And it's really easy for, even like, like, the rollback. Obviously, that was tragic for a lot of people, right? But a lot of groups moved their liquidity to a new token. Or, you know, they did something. There's, there's always a resolution that tokens and doesn't break up a bond of people. Yeah. Probably the best example still is the 
steam it and uh, just in sun. <laughs> That's my favorite story in the in the tokenized space. Like how he tried to, yeah, basically tried to go against the community and uh, even even got uh, a bunch of exchanges to vote in his favor. And then the Steamage community was like, no, 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 fuck all of y'all. And they just created a new token and excluded Justin Sun and all of these exchanges that colluded with him and gave out the tokens to all the, like, the rest of the community and just started a new... Well, it's not a new community, it's the same community. They just forked and rebranded and it was like, okay, yeah, the token is not the community and fuck all of you. Yeah, and I think that's, like, one of the dangers of having, like, decentralized single serving versions of blockchain that really waters it down i think that's the big danger is that people just kind of think that they can treat it like how they normally did and i think that's how like businesses and countries want us to do but uh, mm -hmm. the real freedom comes from like understanding it and taking ownership over it because as you said like in that example the community owned what they felt the platform should do, you know? And that's mm -hmm. that's the power that we have. Like, if someone was truly against something, they can rage quit their portion of it and start a new one. No one's locked into a contract in any of this. And I think that's the other huge part that people don't realize and, like, is the most controlling about their daily life is... You're signed into a contract. Anything you do during work hours or after work hours belongs to whoever your job is. Especially mm -hmm. as a software developer, that's that's a, a big handcuff. And you know, being able to work for, I think my DAO says I'm in 14 DAOs, but that's only on one platform. You mm -hmm. know, it's like all those different groups are different networks of people that I'm working with and value that I'm creating in all the different networks. So to have told me that I had to have only created value for one network just hurts all of those people that I engage with and hurts me and basically puts someone else in control of the value I create. Right. And similarly, like, you live in this country, they can change the rules on you, they can do whatever. And like you're still here, and like if they wanted to force you to do something, they could force you. Well, in the DAO space, you can just say "fuck this shit" and leave. Like even if it's a complete dictatorship, and like the people start the like uh, whales going out against you, and like whatever, you can just leave. And, like fork the project, create a new one, and fuck it. The ultimate freedom. I think that's the other really big thing that I've noticed is that it doesn't matter how big you are in the crypto scene, you're still just a person, and most of the time you're seen as that. You know, Vinay is a perfect example. You know, he was very friendly to me, and he's a very open and supportive person of the scene. You know, mm -hmm. and our entire ecosystem, but at the same time, he's a person. You know, so. Everyone that I mentioned, and like even if I go back to like my big lunches that I've had, everyone that's there is probably going to be a big name in crypto for the next five or ten years, you know, <laughs> until we find something better to do. <laughs> Not that that's happening, but I mean, ten years is a long time. Maybe we'll be in crypto VR then. <laughs> Every one of them is as directly connected as you and I are, you know. They're a DM away. Mm -hmm. They're they're a person, it's not like, hey, talk to my agent. Yeah, yeah, everyone is still super approachable and friendly. Right, yeah, we're coming up uh, to almost an hour in my recorder. So, yeah, do you have any final thoughts? I feel like, yeah, the last 10 minutes were kind of good closing, but yeah, I do want to want some final thoughts. Like, I think. You know, the main thing that I want to say is just to always give it your all. I also want to really credit sleep <laughs> and, like, being able to understand their own limitations. I think, you know, 
the limits that we place on ourselves and our body and our mind are really hard sometimes. So it's important mm-hmm. to take a lot of care and make sure that, you know, if you're being stressed out by something that you try and relieve that stress. And sometimes that is communication with your stress. Sometimes it's like understanding what's causing you stress and you know, all that stuff is normal, especially in like a very volatile world that we're in. So it's important to be in for the right reasons. And I think ethos and learning and doing things is the right reason. And obviously financial gain is nice, but anytime you're focused on expectations of value and numbers and expecting numbers to go up in a volatile market can lead to really bad expectations. So having the right reasons that you do everything and show up to work every day is everything and helps make sure that you balance yourself. And if you do have a hard time, know that's okay too. Everyone has hard days and making sure that you have connected with friends that you can talk to about your hard day is just as important as work. And that's why like engaging with people and building your connections and having fun while you work is just as important as, you know, creating the next project. (laughs) Because it lets you sustain and lets you be a person first rather than a machine. Right. Well said, well said. Because I think the the part about caring about yourself is the most neglected currently in the space since everybody is so stretched between multiple projects and yeah, just space moving so fast, everybody trying to keep up and just it's uh, long hours and a lot of stress. So yeah, it's definitely important to take a step back and take care of yourself. All right, yeah, thank you, thank you. This was awesome. Great talking to you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for, for talking to me too. Uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you again later today. <laughs> yeah. See you around, man.